0: Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk Notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Get out your uh, message notes for the ultimate fighter, the fighter's entrance. But before we get started, uh, one of the things that happens occasionally is when the the church and society kind of interact a little bit, and and there are things that kind of society knows about the church and and knows a a portion of it, but doesn't necessarily understand it. And that's one of the things that happened this past week. For those of you who didn't know, uh, this past week was, this past Wednesday, was a day called Ash Wednesday. And it's one that maybe even you saw it on the news where, where people recognize that in the Christian church something is going on and there's this holiday called Ash Wednesday. Well, Ash Wednesday is the beginning of a season in the church year that is called Lent. Now, Lent is from, the word literally means to lengthen. And the reason why the Lent season is called the Lent season is because the days are getting longer, and, and that there's more and more. And so it's in the springtime when the days are getting longer, it's the time of Lent. So it really has no religious significance, the name itself. But the season itself does have, have significance. And now this goes back a 1, 1,500 years. And it was in the early Christian church, and what they had was they had the celebration of Easter, and, and Easter, as it should be for all Christians, is a time of celebration. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And so what the church wanted to do, and specifically the Catholic church, what they wanted to do was on that Easter, they thought that would be a great Sunday to welcome in people who were going to be confirmed. Confirmed. And so in the Catholic Church, they, they have the rite of confirmation. Uh, and, and back in those days, they, many of them were adults. And, and so, with these confirmands, what they wanted them to do in anticipation of their confirmation and in, 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 in anticipation of Easter, they wanted to make it special. And, and they thought, how can we do this? So, what they did is they looked in the Bible. And in the Bible, there, were, there was Jesus when he began his ministry. There were 40 days when he was in the desert where he's fasting. Uh, they looked back at the time of Moses, who was 40 years in the desert. And they said, You know what? This is what we're going to do. We're going to have a time going back from Easter, 40 days. And that is going to be a time for these individuals to reflect on uh, their sin and, and their shortcoming and, and, and their relationship with God. And a time when they can reflect on the passion of Jesus Christ. And, and specifically the last week of his life when he came to Jerusalem and gave his life to make the payment for sin. So what they decided is that, that this was going to be for the confirmants, and it, we'd go back 40 days where they would fast. Well then they thought about that and they said, we don't think they're going to make it 40 days. That's a long time to go without eating. And so what they decided is that since Easter... It was on a Sunday, and every Sunday is a little celebration of Easter, that Sundays would not be included in this time period, and that they would uh, let the people eat on those days as a little celebration of Easter. So if you go back 40 days from Easter, take out the Sundays, it takes you back to a Wednesday, which is Ash Wednesday, which is the start of the Lent season of this time when they would do this. Well, since that time in the church, and and this is in the Christian church, is that uh, it is not necessarily a time for confirmation now, but it's a time for all Christians uh, to take time to contemplate the payment that Christ has made for them on the cross. And it's a, a somber season, but also a season that's full of hope because it points ahead to Easter. Now, the reason why it's called Ash Wednesday is because uh, in the Bible, during Bible times, that people would show their sorrow over sin. Very often a way that they would do that is they would take off their, their nice comfortable clothes and they would you know, get rid of the comforter and, and now they would have uh, burlap or, or some type of sackcloth and they would make clothes out of that. And then they would sit outside in the dirt and in the ashes where there might have been a fire the night before. And they would take those ashes and they would pour them over their head and they would wipe their faces with it. And, and you can imagine how grimy that got. And, and especially as they were in a desert climate where it would get warm and they would start to sweat a little bit, just how miserable that would be with the burlap and the ashes. And the reason why they did that is, is to show on the outside... What was going on on the inside? And it was a way to demonstrate that they were truly sorrowful over their sin. And so, Ash Wednesday is a time uh, when we begin with that, that sorrow over sin and the wrong that we have done. Now, because there's going to be a time of fasting, uh, there became other customs that are not so noble, like the day before Ash Wednesday, which is called Fat Tuesday. Uh, which is the last day that you get to eat. And so, man, I, gotta, I got 40 days. Com- I got to eat for 40 days right now to, uh, to, to be ready for it. And then you have things like the Mardi Gras and Carnival. All of those things are, come as a result and, and the interaction and connection of this Christian season of Lent and, and going into a world that, that tries to understand it and see it. Now, the reason why I bring this up today is because we are beginning our Ultimate Fighter message series. And in case you didn't catch it, the ultimate fighter is Jesus, and the ultimate fight is the fight that he is fighting for you to pay for your sins. And so as we look at this in this message series, the Ultimate Fighter series is going to cover the very last week of Jesus' life. And sometimes that's called Holy Week. And Holy Week starts with, uh, on a Sunday called Palm Sunday. That's the day when, when Jesus came into Jerusalem. Other days uh, in that Holy Week that we remember are Maundy Thursday. And that's the Thursday night before he died when Jesus gave the Lord's Supper, uh, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion and then Good Friday when he went to the cross and when he made the payment for sin, and then ultimately the, the ultimate celebration and the ultimate victory, uh, which we have on Easter. So I just wanted to share that with you as we get started to, to kind of give context uh, of where the church is at, the, the Christian church just in our society, and an understanding that people have, of, to one degree or another, about what season of the church year we're in, And then how this ultimate fighter is going to direct us in our studies. Now, as we begin, uh, we're going to go right about, it's a little more than a week before uh, Jesus. We're going to go before Palm Sunday with our first lesson. And our first lesson is, is recorded in Matthew 20, 17 to 19. And it says, now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took the 12 aside and said to them, we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. This wasn't the only time that Jesus told his disciples this. Actually, he told them a number of different times. And the reason why he told them is he understood that as they were going forward and what they were going to see in the next week would be very traumatic for them. And as they watched Jesus in this fight, that it was going to seem like he was losing, that he was getting beaten senseless, but but he was trying to tell them, no, that this is all part of the plan, and the plan ends with me being victorious and rising on Easter, And so, in the blank you can write, Jesus knew the ultimate fight was still coming. He knew the ultimate fight was still coming. He went to Jerusalem with a plan to win it. Now, as, as we see this, and, and as we get into this message series, re- remember this is you see the boxing gloves up there, so this is you 're thinking boxing and, and trying to make these parallels between uh, the, this boxing and what Christ came to do as our fighter. So I, I did my research uh, before this message series. I sat down and I watched Rocky One, two, three, and four so that I could be ready for all the, the, the fighting you know, references here. And, and if you remember anything about Rocky and, and about the Rocky movies, you, you might remember that Rocky always had a strategy for the fight. And it seemed like his strategy was to stop all of their punches with his face. And, and so it would, you, you would see this and it was like every fight it was the same, and so whether it be Adrian as she's watching every single fight going, oh my gosh, this is going to be the one where he finally gets killed uh, as he gets beaten repeatedly, or whether it's the guys in his corner who are, who are trying to tell him to move around a little bit and, and all of those different things, that that's when you know Rocky tells us, you know, He's got a plan, and that plan and sometimes is to get mad. Sometimes it's to wear the other guy out. But Rocky's got a plan, and, and sometimes it might look like he's losing, but we know he's going to win. The problem is, is as Jesus was sharing his plan, this would have been the equivalent of, of Jesus saying, I'm going in for the fight, and I'm going to let them beat me. I'm going to let them knock me down. I'm going to let them knock me out. I'm going to have the the um or the the uh, umpire, what do they call a referee, whatever they call him do the the fight, whatever. I need to watch Rocky again. <laughs> He's going to do the ten count, and then they're going to drag me by the ankles out of the ring, and then I'll win and 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 as they heard this, they had to be thinking. Jesus, by definition, that's losing. I I don't know if he realized that or not. So your plan is to go up there to lose. And Jesus says, no, it's to win. And so as we look at this, it's important, this first part is important for the same reason it's important for the disciples, because as we look at Jesus seemingly losing, understand that it is the, the perfect plan to win. We continue, and, and this takes us now to Jerusalem, when when it is the first Palm Sunday, uh, when Jesus is coming up that last week of His life into Jerusalem. Luke nineteen, beginning with verse twenty-eight. After Jesus had said this, He went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As He approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, He sent two of His disciples, saying to them, "Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it." You will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on on the colt and put Jesus on it. And he went along. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And now as we look at this and other Bible accounts of, of Palm Sunday, we, we see what happened. Jesus told them to go get this one-year-old donkey, a colt. And, and as he was placed on that, and, and as he arrived into Jerusalem, people started taking their coats off and, and putting it down. Other people grabbed palm branches, we're, were told, they, and they put these palm branches down. And, and it was like the red carpet that they were laying for Jesus to come into Jerusalem. And it was the way that he was being welcomed as a king. And so you see there's a little bit of an irony here, isn't there? Where you have this impromptu parade and this welcoming of this great king who is coming, but then you, you have this the way he chose to come in, which which is on a donkey. The prophet Zechariah prophesied about this in, in Zechariah 9, verse 9, when he said, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion, shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Again, this irony of of both being righteous and victorious and lowly at the same time. And so in the blank, you can write, the ultimate fighter's entrance shows us that he is a different kind of fighter his entrance shows that he is a different kind of fighter. And now I want you to think about this for a moment. I want you to think about if this was the the big moment in your life, if this was the moment where, where you had the biggest audience that would ever see you, what would your entrance be like? I don't know about you, but my entrance might look like something like this. Right from uh, from the Super Bowl, and Katy Perry came in. It was like I don't know about you, but I was like, "That's awesome! That is that is so cool!" Who comes up with these ideas? And and it's and it's glamorous, and the whole world is watching, and and you have that one moment to have that first impression on how good this halftime is going to be, and whether or not you're going to stay and watch it or not. And and that was her entrance, and I, I think. Maybe ours would be kind of like that. When you think of how we introduce basketball teams or at the beginning of the game when the lights go down or the the lights go off and then the spotlights are on and and all the things associated with that. We love introductions. But when Jesus came, his looked probably more like this. A one-year-old donkey that had never been ridden and and we're not we're not told exactly how the ride was but i would think if it had never been ridden it was a little bit of a wild ride uh, that it was when and because it was a, a young donkey it was probably pretty small too maybe almost feet dragging on the ground and and as you 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 look at that it, it's like what message is Jesus trying to share with us? What's the point? And and what's the point of Jesus coming on Palm Sunday on a donkey? And in one word, you could describe it with the word humility. That Jesus was coming humbly. As the ultimate fighter, he was coming in humility. Now why is that a big deal? Well, when you think about it, it shouldn't surprise us because Jesus' ministry was all about humility And as a matter of fact, when we look at the Apostles' Creed, even when we look at the first part of, of, well, all of Jesus' life, really, up until the time that, that he died and was buried, it's sometimes called the humiliation of Jesus. And what I'm talking about is that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, all of those things are, are part of the humiliation, all of the things that Jesus allowed to be done to him, all of the, will, the things that Jesus willfully did for you. And the reason why he comes humbly, whether it's in a manger or on a, a donkey on Palm Sunday, is to let you know that God, that Jesus, the Son of God, is approachable, that you can come to him, that, that he is there to... Uh, To welcome you, and, and that you are his children who are able to approach him at any time. Jesus coming in humility, he's the ultimate fighter, the fighter who is here for you. We go on from there in Luke 19. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. And the words they said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And in other gospel accounts, we're told that they they shouted, Hosanna, uh, Lord, save us. And I find this interesting that, that one of the things they did, so, so first of all, you gotta remember that they're in Jerusalem for the Passover and this was a time of pilgrimage. So anyone who lived in Israel who had any means to get to Jerusalem who could walk uh, would, would have gone there. This would have been one of the major times that if you could get to Jerusalem, you would have gone there, you would have gone to the temple for the celebration of the Passover. So there were tons of people who were there and, and as you had these people that were there, these were people who had interactions with Jesus. And so the blind man who could now see, praise Jesus who gave me my sight. The deaf man who could now hear, praise the Lord, he, he's restored my hearing to me. The man who couldn't walk. Look, I'm able to come down to Jerusalem for the first time because now I'm able to walk. I'm able to get here. The man who had leprosy. I was never able to come into the city before, but now I'm able to come here to celebrate the Passover and the freedom that God has won for me. Or maybe even Lazarus or Jairus' daughter or the son of the widow of Nain, all of whom Jesus raised from the dead, standing there praising God, praising God for all of the wonderful things that he had done in their lives. How about you? It's Palm Sunday today. What is your way that you thank God? Right now I'm teaching 501 class and 501 is about sharing our faith and sharing what God has given us. And and one of the things I encourage everyone to do is to think in terms of What is your witness? So in other words, if if this was about you share the good things that God has done for you, what is it? What would you share? A a time that that God helped you in a very dark place? Maybe now the fact that you were going through a difficult time and you know that Christ is with you, you know that you can go to the Lord in prayer. A time when you were sick and and Christ healed you? A time where a relationship was was going bad and and Christ was there for you and healed that? Maybe it's something he healed. Maybe it's something that was not healed, but he was there with you through that entire time. These are the stories, and these are the reasons why these people were giving thanks to God, which is great. But the thing about this is, is, remember, this message series is not called The Fighter, and, and Jesus is not called the fighter. This is the ultimate fighter. And this is the ultimate fight. And at some point, and this was the defining point in Jesus' ministry, where he had helped the people in so many different ways. And he had helped them. And he had healed people. And he had fed, fed people. And he helped them in so many different ways. But now what was going to happen is Jesus was going to be helping them in a different way with the ultimate fight, with the fight with, with sin, the, the, the fight with death, the fight with hell, the fight with Satan. That is why Jesus was here. And it's like the, the people began to understand that and, and recognize it with the words that they said. But the thing that we need to understand, and, and the way that I wrote it down is that Jesus did not battle to give you a better life. I'm gonna say that one more time. Jesus did not battle to give you a better life. Jesus battled to give you eternal life. And, and I want to make it clear, it's not that God doesn't want to help you in your life because He is there for us. But the truth of the matter is, is that the, the blind man who is able to see can't see now. The deaf man who is able to hear, he can't hear now. The leper whose skin was, was, was healed by Jesus, his skin is dust now. And, and Lazarus and the son of the widow at Nain and Jairus' daughter, they're dead. Their life in this time here was over and Jesus did help them in this life. But the purpose for the ultimate fight was to, to help them for the next life, to, to bring them to eternal life with their father in heaven. I don't know if the people fully understood that at this moment, but you need to. You need to understand what this fight is all about. And it seems that some of the people, especially the religious leaders, did. In Luke 19, verse 39, the next passage, it says, Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Jesus, get them, get them to shut up, and here's why: because they just crossed the line. They just crossed the line from, from telling that you have helped them in your life to now they're using language like, Lord, save us, praise God. Now they're talking about you like as if you were God and as if you were going to save them in some way spiritually. And, and Jesus says, exactly. Now, now you are beginning to understand what this last week of my life and what this battle is all about. Jesus said, responded in Luke 19. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embarkment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. And Jesus is prophesying about the the Roman armies that would come and destroy and level Jerusalem. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. See that they didn't recognize it. They did not recognize that this day, Palm Sunday, was the day when God was coming to them. They didn't recognize Jesus as the ultimate fighter. They didn't recognize him going to the cross as the ultimate fight. And in the blank, you can write, the people were fighting the wrong battles for things that would not bring them true peace. They weren't getting true peace. Their rejection of Jesus would ultimately cost them everything. I have it highlighted up there, Verse 42, if you, even you, had only known on this day, what would bring you peace? What would bring you peace? Do you ever think about that? What would make you happy? What would, what would finally help you in your life that, that this, the restlessness of wanting more or, or something different would change? I made a conscious effort this past week to find that. And I bought a Powerball ticket, thinking that 450 little friends would be nice to take with me. But you think so? Do you, and, and I think that's probably the biggest lie we believe, that if we had more, and specifically more money, that we would have a certain peace. We would then be secure, that, that then our problems would go away, and, and it wouldn't be as big of an issue. I'm telling you, if, if you feel that way, you, you can chase it and, and maybe even you can attain the accumulation of money, but, but Jesus makes it clear it's not going to bring you peace. Maybe you think you would have peace if you had the different job. Maybe you think you would have peace if you had the different spouse or the different family or the different friends or the different circumstance. You tell me, whatever your answer is, it really doesn't make any difference unless that answer is Jesus. Because that's what he was going through, that that, that he was watching them and and he was saying, I I look at you looking for peace in so many different places and I look at what you want and all of the things that you're going after and, and you're not finding them. And that is why in his ministry, Jesus made it clear, seek first the kingdom and its righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. That God's answer to you is not to give you all of the things that you want as if that were to make you happy, but to fill the need that you have for him. And then as a result, those things fall in the right place where he gives you a gift of contentment. To not want more, but to be thankful for what you have, having first a relationship with him and realizing everything else is just a bonus. It's just the icing on the cake. That's what he was dealing with and, and, and that's what we are dealing with as well. And those last words, I just want to read them one more time because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. When was the time of God's coming to them? Palm Sunday. When is the time of God's coming to you? Today. Palm Sunday. Today. Today you are in the same situation uh, that the children of Israel were in 2,000 years ago, a time when, when Jesus is coming to them, coming in humility, coming as the ultimate fighter, fighting to, for the ultimate spiritual battle for them. Recognize it. Understand that this battle is for you. I happen to be listening to, to Christian radio the other night. I don't even remember what night it was. And uh, I always enjoy listening to other uh, pastors and other uh, talk show hosts and things like that. And one of the things that, that the guy said, I was listening and a number of different people were calling in. And one of the things that, that he was talking about was the end, the end times. And, and when God would come and would be our judge. And he said, what's going to happen on the last day is God is going to come and give every person exactly what they want. I was like, what? That is messed up. That is like so untrue. So my truth detector was going off in the car. This is, this is, this is false. This is wrong. And actually what he was doing is he was quoting a Christian author, C.S. Lewis. And, and C.S. Lewis said that exact same thing, that in the end, on the last day, God is going to give you what you want. For all of those who wanted life without God, he's going to give it to them. Finally, you know what? If you want to find peace apart from me, and that is the route that you want to go, I'm not going to force myself on you as I didn't in your lives, but I'm going to give you what you want and I'm going to give you what you lived for, which is a life apart from me. But then to his children, he's going to give us what we want as well which is that relationship with him, an eternity with him in heaven. That's what this is about. This is about peace and, and true peace and the peace that Jesus came to give us. Finally, we get to what Jesus wants. In all of this, all of these different wants and needs, this is what Jesus wants. Luke 13, verse 34, he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. That's what Jesus wants. Jesus wants you close. Jesus wants you by his side. Like like a chicken would take her chicks under the wings so he can protect you so that he could fight for you. Very clear, that's what he wants. That's what he came to do. And notice the, the willing, not willing, going the other direction. And the way that he did this, a way that this fight that Jesus would do for us is described in Isaiah 53. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. I just love going back to that. Isaiah 53 is is just one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. And the reason why is it makes so clear why Jesus came, that he came to take the punishment that you deserve, that he came as the ultimate fighter to fight in your place. And so in the blank, you can write, as the ultimate fighter, Jesus wants us in his corner. As the ultimate fighter, Jesus wants us in his corner. He has come to fight for us. I think sometimes we get it wrong, and, and sometimes we, we, we think of this differently. What we say is, we want Jesus in our corner, and I'm telling you, Jesus is not in your corner, and the reason why I say that is, is because if Jesus is in my corner, who's in the boxing ring? Me. But when I'm in Jesus' corner, who's in the boxing ring? Jesus is. Jesus is the one who's fighting. Jesus is the one who's going forward. And in this battle, in this battle, in the ultimate fight, we need the ultimate fighter who is the only one who can stand in that ring, who is the only one who can bring us victory. It is a ring in which we cannot stand, which is why on this Sunday, Palm Sunday, God sent Jesus into the ring to make this entrance in humility for you and for me. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that Jesus had a plan and that plan was to be the ultimate fighter for us, the one who would come and and endure all of our suffering, the one who would defeat uh, Satan and death and hell and sin and, and all of our enemies, all of our spiritual enemies. And Lord, we thank you for that. We also thank you that he came in humility, that that he made it clear that he was coming into this world for us. And so, Lord, we are thankful that we can approach you for things that will give us true and lasting peace which is a relationship with you. So please help us in our our lives as we go forward to recognize you as the king, to recognize you as the one source of peace, and to continue to go to you time and time again, both in prayer and then as we go in your word and as we meditate on your word to find the peace which Jesus alone can give us. And it's in his name that we pray, amen. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. I really want to thank Jonathan and the band because this week, as I was going through this message, as as we do every week, as Jeff and I do, we we think in terms of after hearing this message, what is my response? What does God want me to do? Where do I go from here? And I think this song captured it for me as I heard it. What's our response to Palm Sunday? Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest! Lord save us. It's to recognize Him as the King, uh, to worship Him as the King. and and to follow him as, as the one who has come to fight for us and the one who has come to save us. And now as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen.